Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the Eagles are Super Bowl champions as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 131. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to get a full recap from Sunday's win over the New England Patriots. Greg and I both watched the game in person in Minneapolis, and we could not wait to fly home and break down the film afterward. So we will give our thoughts on the tape from both sides of the ball. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into that conversation now with Greg Cosell and I talking about the Super Bowl win over the New England Patriots. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined for one final time here in the 2017 NFL season, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, it's the first time that you and I are breaking down a Super Bowl, and it is the first time that the Eagles have come out victorious with the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, We have got a ton to talk about. You and I didn't get to watch the game together for the first time this season. We were in the stadium, but we didn't watch together. Uh, I'm excited to get your thoughts after watching the film. You and I haven't spoken since going through it. Let's start with Eagles offense and a lot of good things to take away from this game. Obviously, the performance of Nick Foles throwing for three touchdowns, catching one more. Uh, Just an outstanding performance from number nine, obviously well-deserving of that MVP accolade. What were your takeaways, both seeing it live in person and then going back and watching the film a couple days later? Well, I think the the first thing you have to just note, which is not an X and O point, was just how well he threw the ball with an overlooked trait that you and I have discussed a lot, but you don't hear discussed too often when people evaluate quarterbacks, and that's precise ball location. I mean, some of the throws he made, the two touchdowns in particular, the one to Jeffrey and the one to Corey Clement, uh, were just absolutely great, great throws. Jeffrey obviously contorted his body, great body control on that one, but the ball was thrown exactly where it had to be. And the Clement touchdown, you couldn't have handed it to him any better. So uh, those were just the two most uh, clear examples of the way he threw the ball. But he threw the ball extremely well in this game. The the Clement touchdown may have been a top three throw of his career and maybe top two it'd be really number one if you count the situation but just an outstanding throw great catch by Corey as well but the throw was just outstanding well and plus I really like the play I know you watched the tape I mean uh that play was designed for Zach Ertz, and they, there was a dedicated double on Ertz with Richards and McCourty, and Clement then just ran the vertical route on the same side of the formation as, as Zach, and he was matched, obviously, on the linebacker Flowers. So that was also a read that wasn't – he was not the primary, so he had to sort of recalibrate a little bit, and that was just an outstanding throw. Yeah, and what I liked about that, too, you mentioned the, the, the double team on Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, be, Foles recognizing the double and then having an answer for it. You know, that, that's something that's built in. We didn't see the Eagles throw this route all year long with the running back on a vertical route out of the backfield down the seam. Uh, and you get into the Super Bowl, you bust this one out, and against uh, against a coverage like that, it worked perfect. You know, the safety over top that had eyes on Ertz initially, he tried to react, but he was in no position uh, to really impact this throw, especially with the way Nick threw it. 
Well, it makes you wonder if they were pr- really prepared for the doubles on Ertz, yeah. because I think that play, they were prepared for it, because like you say, we've seen wheel routes by backs, but not straight vertical seams. That was more of a vertical seam. That was not a wheel by Clement. And I think even the, the touchdown to Ertz, uh, that actually put them ahead and, and won the game, I think that bullet motion by Clement was also designed to take away the possible double on Ertz as the ex-ISO receiver. You know, we don't know for sure if Harmon would have doubled him, but there's a very likely, very good likelihood that Harmon might have been part of a double on Ertz at ex-ISO on, on that touchdown if Clement didn't go in that bullet motion across the formation. That's a good point. I actually didn't even make that connection there on that play. That's a really good point. I thought really the game plan on third down overall and that plays to the numbers that Nick Foles put up on third down was just excellent. You, know, you saw some some of the route concepts that the Eagles were able to use uh, in terms of beating two-man. You know, you saw the dagger from the two inside receivers on that opening drive. It ended up going to Torrey Smith at the number two slot on the dig route. You saw uh, some of these other routes with double moves where they're able to beat uh, that, that underneath defender and then also keep the safeties away from the middle of the field. The one completion to Zach Ertz comes to mind. Uh, they were able to beat two-man consistently in this game. And then also just the, the screen game was obviously very big. The mesh concepts, beating man coverage, were huge in this game. The, the game plan was outstanding, as has been the case throughout the course of the season for Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, John Filippo, Mike Groh, Deuce Staley, Jeff Stoughton. The whole group uh, on offense was just outstanding in this game with the game plan, the plan of attack against this New England defense. I mean, I didn't chart it. Maybe you did, but uh, they must have run that mesh-sit-wheel concept six or seven times in this game, which makes perfect sense when you think about it, because particularly on third down, the Patriots are high percentage man-to-man, and, and that's a man concept. So, But they ran it at least six or seven times. Obviously, it was the route concept on the fourth and one when Ertz gained two yards on the final drive, uh, but, but that was something they did a lot of, and... Um, uh, you know, I love the, the the Corey Clement, uh, you know, 55 yarder late in the second quarter, which was which was actually the the miss it wheel concept as well. They just threw the wheel because they had Jordan Richards who went underneath and got caught, and therefore the the wheel showed open immediately. No question. And Nelson Aguilar had a couple catches as the underneath shallow cross in that mesh route that you mentioned the Corey Clement catch as well. Uh, Clement was just, I mean. He was outstanding in this game. You know, you look at the, obviously the catch on the touchdown. You mentioned the wheel route on the mesh. He ran hard in this game. The, the in fact the run the play after the wheel route on the mesh concept, he had a carry inside the low red zone, and he it probably should have gone for it was blocked for maybe a yard, maybe two. Uh, ended up picking up six, and you saw the, him set up uh, what would be an Eagles touchdown. I, I I was really impressed by the rookie in this game. Nelson Aguilar's effort across the board in this game was very very good. It, it was good to see all those guys. Really, the moment wasn't too big for some of the young players on the Eagles' offense. I thought that started with Foles on that first series. I think it might have been the first. Uh, was it the first third down when he hit Jeffrey for uh, 17 yards? Yep. Yes, and then that was very easy movement by Nick. You know, moving to his left. It was one of the few times where he really had to move out of the pocket. But you saw the comfortable movement, the easy throw for 17 yards on. I think it was third and four. That was another two-man concept behind it, uh, and that was also a dedicated double on Ertz, which was clearly part of what the uh and we talked about this it was clearly part of what the patriots wanted to do on third down take me through uh greg what you saw from the yeah, a lot of it talk up in new england right now about obviously the the benching of malcolm butler 
with Butler's absence, tell us what you saw in terms of how you charted it and how the Patriots decided to try and man up against this Eagles offense. Did you do any deep dives in terms of how they really wanted to attack this Eagles receiving core? Well, there were a couple of things that stood out right away. First of all, Chung was the slot corner. And he's not the slot corner. He hasn't been the slot corner all season. I mean, there are times he's done that, and, and we know he lines up and plays the tight end a lot. That's normally what he does, but he was essentially the slot corner in this game. Uh, and, and again, I don't think that's – as good a player as Chung is, I don't think that's the best role for him. Uh, secondly, they like to play a lot of dime, and, and that's that's been a staple uh, personnel package all year, and that put Jordan Richards on the field, and he would not have been in their dime if Malcolm Butler had played. And Richards got beat a couple of times. And a couple of times in a game like this, I mean, he got beat on um, – uh, by Ertz, I remember, uh, for, on a third and seven for 19 yards, where Ertz literally just shed him with no problem. Uh, I'm sure you remember the play. Yep. He also got beat, as we mentioned, on the Clement 55-yarder late in the second quarter, which I, I think that led to the Foles touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, and uh, you know, again, so you had Richards in situations that he had not really done much throughout the season because they had to go one player deeper on the depth chart, and then uh, Richards would not have been in that situation. Now, they played a ton of different man concepts, the Patriots, that is. When they played two man, they felt comfortable with Richards on on Ertz because of the, the help over the top. When they played cover one, it was primarily McCourty, and they didn't necessarily give him help because he has corner experience. You mentioned something a few minutes ago, which I thought was absolutely true, and that uh, Foles did not often have to work outside of the pocket. He was able to st- to stand in there and play within rhythm, uh, within structure. It, the offensive line for this Eagles defense or for this Eagles offense was just so good on Sunday night. It, they were able to make it so it was almost seven on seven because they were able to handle all the stunts, all the twists that New England threw at them, and there were a lot of different uh, things that they tried to do up front. In New England, in terms of their their games that they played up on the, on the defensive line, you saw you know TE stunts, you saw ET stunts, you saw double stunts, you saw blitzes from the slot. There were lots of different occasions where a free rusher could have gotten home. But Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey, uh, Stefan Wisniewski, those guys were able to pick players up on the inside. I thought Vitae had a pretty good game as well. Lane Johnson held up well. The running backs did a good job of protection. Ajayi had a couple of really nice, nice blocks and pass pro. So the offensive line and overall protection scheme, I thought was probably one of the untold stories of this game is how good they were up front for Nick Foles. Well, and I also thought that Foles, as he got comfortable in the game, you know, in the second half I thought Vitae had some issues in one-on-one protection on a number of snaps, but I think the rhythm of the pass game compensated for it. You know, they they did such a good job getting receivers open within the design of the route concepts that Foles, for the most part, did not have to sit in the pocket too long and get late in the down. And, and I thought that that was able to compensate and camouflage some of Vitae's problems because there were a number of snaps that he got shoved back in the second half. Greg, take me into the uh, into the run game as well, where you know the Eagles were able to, to get things going on the ground. Whether it was Jai, whether it was Blunt, uh, we saw a good, whether it was Clement. Obviously, we were able to see a lot of six zero line packages in this game, and they they ran for the large majority of them outside of one play action throw to Zach Ertz. Uh, tell us what you saw from the run game from this Eagles offense against the Patriots. It was pretty multiple again. I mean, the, the 21-yard touchdown in the second quarter, it was first and 10. It was heavy, six all-linemen. And it was the Patriots' big nickel. That's the way they chose to play, big nickel, three safeties. 
Um, and the Eagles had a four-man surface, and they ran to the four-man surface, and they got two really good, you know, sort of combination blocks. Kelsey did a great job on that play, but Sayamalu and Selleck did a great job on Harrison and Chung, and uh, it, it, you know that was really, really well blocked. Um, you know, so they were able to just sort of run the ball. They had three big runs, as I recall, in the game that that gave them a lot of the yards. It was that. It was the other long run by Blunt over 30, and then Ajayi had a 26-yarder. That gave them the bulk of the yards. But those are big plays. When you can get three 20-plus plays in the run game, you're running the ball really well. The the Ajayi play in particular, the the run by Ajayi, I want to say it was in the second quarter, was really interesting because it looked like it was going to be a shovel pass, like it was a shovel read play for Nick Foles, where uh, you had a pulling guard from the backside in Wisniewski, you had Trey Burton coming underneath it as if he was going to catch the shovel, and Nick Foles was reading a defender and had to decide, am I going to hand this off to Jay Ajayi or am I going to pitch this uh, to Trey Burton underneath? He ends up giving the ball to Ajayi. He doesn't like what he sees inside, so he cuts upfield and runs behind Wisniewski and ends up getting off a 26-yard run. It was interesting, number one, we hadn't seen that all year from the Eagles. We hadn't seen the shovel pass busted out all year, and then they, they use it in this game. And then number two, uh, the, just the read overall from Ajayi and able to, to know what he's got. Hey, where I'm supposed to go is taken away. Let me cut this upfield and follow the block that is really there for, for Trey Burton. Yeah, no, I thought that was a really good run by, by Ajayi. I mean, he made that cut pretty much right at the point of attack, and that was a really, really good run. But, yeah, they, they ran the ball effectively. Obviously, they threw it really effectively. I just thought that, you know, the runs obviously were nice, but the pass game is what really stood out to me. I thought they had a really good feel for breaking down the man coverage concepts, and I think they presented rhythm throws early in the down throws for Foles pretty much throughout the game. So, Greg, going into the offseason now, we've seen the, this Eagles offense one last time. Uh, I guess what is the state of this group going into the offseason? And in your mind now, you've seen them now for, uh, for what now, 18 games, 19 games total. Uh, overall thoughts on this Eagles offense transitioning into the 2018 season? Obviously, we know we've got an offseason worth of additions and subtractions to come. But overall thoughts going into the, the break here? Well, you know, look, I think they've got pieces in place, clearly. I mean, Wentz will be the quarterback. We know that. There's no quarterback controversy. Um, you know, I think it, it'll be interesting what they do in the backfield because Blunt's on a one-year deal. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think he'd be in high, high demand as far as someone giving him a lot of money. But it'll be interesting where they go there. I mean, I assume Ajayi will be back. Um you know, Clement, it turned out to be a revelation. Uh, he'll be back because he's he really fits what they do and he fits the NFL, the kind of player he is. But I think they'll probably address the running back situation. Um, you know, I guess the receiver position, to me, and I don't know how you feel, Fran, I think you can never have enough guys who you feel good about. And I think they would probably still like to have a, a more vertical threat, a true vertical threat. I mean, you know, Jeffrey can get vertical, but he's not a vertical threat in a strict sense. So I think that's an area they might look to address. And, uh, you know, what we don't know is on the offensive line is how they feel about someone like, say, Amala, who obviously kind of fell a little bit down the depth chart as the year progressed. We don't know where they see him going forward. 
and we don't know what Peter's status is. We don't know how they feel about Vitae. I think Vitae, they were able to, to compensate for him a little bit. You know, I'm not sure. In an ideal world, I'm not sure you'd say he's my left tackle. But they were able with their schemes and their tactics and their approach to sort of camouflage that a bit. Yeah, the offensive line I think is going to be really interesting. Honestly, once Sayamalu went to the bench, we saw him in spot duty. And look, in this game, he had a couple of huge blocks coming off the bench as the, as the sixth offensive lineman uh, to give you a little bit of hope. And I think one of the big lessons that we can learn from this team too from a fan perspective is, look, young guys, they are, they are just that. They are, they are young and they are going to make mistakes and don't give up on them too early. Look no further than Nelson Aguilar. Took his third year was when he made that big jump. You look at Brandon Graham uh, early on in his career. A lot of fans were you know, wishing it was Earl Thomas or Jason Pierre-Paul or whoever else. But Brandon Graham has turned into an excellent player off the edge uh, and one of the hallmarks of this defense. And uh, since we're talking about Brandon Graham and this defense, let's transition to that side of the ball. Brandon Graham comes up with probably the the play of the game, especially on defense, forcing that fumble on Tom Brady. Talk about the pressure that the Eagles were able to get or not get throughout the course of the game uh, on Tom Brady. I thought that it was not there as much in the first half, much more so in the second half they were able to get after him a little bit about some of the things the Patriots would do yeah. and and they did a lot of that they started right on the first possession with with the use of the no huddle and and tempo and and that slowed down the rush obviously I thought they'd go a little more quick game but instead of quick game they went play action they had 16 play action passes and Brady was 11 for 16 for 225 yards on play action and that was a way to minimize the pass rush and they really caused problems for the Eagles with their coverage with their linebacker group and with their secondary they they had some issues in, in sort of finding out, you know, where the receivers were based on the route concept. Uh, so they struggled with that big time. Uh, now, I think it was eight times in the game that Graham lined up inside a D tackle. And on three or four of those, and this is before the big play, he caused Shaq Mason some problems. In fact, there was one play which was huge where he was able to prevent Brady from following through where Gronkowski beat Mills vertically, and it could have been a touchdown. And Graham was able, it was early in the second quarter, Graham was able to get in and, and, and prevent the follow-through. So obviously we get to the big play, and they do what they've been doing all year. For people who are not following the Eagles, this seemed, you know, because I heard a lot of people talking about it, I saw it on social media as if this was a revelation. You and I know the Eagles have been doing this all year, bringing Graham inside. That's basically part of their third down package. That's what they do. The, no question. And then you saw him able to win. He went, went with the bull rush initially, then was able to win on the outside. And the Eagles' defensive line all season long has been so good at attacking the throwing arm of the quarterback. And, and that's exactly what Graham did there, was able to get the ball on the ground. It knocks off of Derek Barnett's knee, bounces right up in the air, uh, and you get the, the huge play and the turnover there that really helped seal this game for the Eagles. Now let, let's just get to the rest of the defense. And, and you mentioned that we saw basically exactly what we expected from this Patriots offense, right? And that's what makes them so hard to defend. You saw all the different personnel groupings. You saw the no huddle. You saw the empty sets to kind of decipher the coverage and then find a way to attack. And really the big one that stands out to me was that third long pass to, to Chris Hogan on the post wheel where 
you know, they start and empty. You get Jalen Mills over the running back. I believe it was James White or Deion Lewis, whoever it was on the left side of the, of the formation. Uh, and so that immediately tips off Tom Brady. Hey, they're in zone coverage. He changes the play. They call it post wheel. They attack Ronald Darby down the field on a post wheel. He runs inside with the post. You get Hogan on the wheel. Patrick Robinson doesn't run with them because he's in zone coverage. It's third and seven. He's got to guard the sticks. He doesn't run with them deep. And now you got Chris Hogan wide open down the field. There were plays like that in this game where – you're looking from my vantage point. I know from your vantage point, watching in the stands, you're watching it live, and you say, "Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's vintage Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, right there in motion." Yeah, I think the play you're talking about was Amendola on the 50 yarder. Uh, oh, Amendola. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and the Eagles. I thought, I thought they were in quarters on that play, which is not a coverage they play a lot of. Um, but but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, but yeah, they 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 had a hard time in coverage uh, throughout the game, whether they were in man or zone. You know, a couple of things which I don't know if you were surprised by. They decided to make Corey Graham the matchup on Gronk when they went man to man, and they had uh, Jenkins on James White, and then James White played 45 snaps. Deion Lewis only played 21. So I mean, James White was clearly the back. Maybe the Eagles, and you know, coaches know way more than you and I, Fran. But maybe the Eagles knew that, and they felt that hey, we want Jenkins on White because White is such a critical piece in their pass game. Yeah, I feel like we've seen that over the last few weeks, especially you know whether they were in their uh, their big nickel or namely their dime. You you saw Corey Graham on the tight end, and you saw Malcolm Jenkins on the running back. I know for sure in Minnesota, uh, for a few snaps in Atlanta, we saw uh, Malcolm one on one with the back when he flexed out wide. So um, it was interesting to see to see that that definitely carried through into this game. And early on, uh, James White on the first drive did get Malcolm on a little bit of a pivot route back to the sidelines, a really well run route uh, by White out in space. But overall. Uh, I know Jenkins got a couple pass breakups as well in man-to-man coverage against the backs. We know how big uh, the running backs are for the Patriots in the pass game. Uh, any other thoughts, I guess, from this defensive performance? Not a ton of highlights, but when they needed to, that's, I guess one of the big themes that stood out to me was not only you know they were able to get some pressure in, in spots, but then also it was very much a bend but don't break because bend but don't break because you saw. Uh, a number of times where the Patriots were driving, they were down in the high red zone, low red zone, and then the Eagles tightened up and they were able to to force a field goal. And a number of times, I mean, that, that was huge. Those points mattered a lot in the final result. Yeah, although I think if, if you're being realistic, and hey, they just won the Super Bowl, so. But I mean, I think that it was it was a tough performance for them. Uh, they gave up 505 passing yards. They didn't force the opponent to punt. It, it was a tough outing. But you know, the other thing I was going to mention was. As we discussed, they pretty much abandoned any base 4-3. They played three snaps with Ellerby at middle linebacker in the entire game. So they pretty much went with big nickel as their base defense because the Patriots did go with 21 personnel with Devlin on the field quite a bit. So uh, almost always when the Patriots had Devlin on the field as the second running back, the Eagles were in big nickel, not in base 4-3. All right, Greg, so let me ask you now the, the same question I asked you about the offense. Now, going into the offseason and as we project off to 2018, it looks like almost all these starters are signed up through next season, but overall feelings on uh, this defense going into the offseason? Well, I think Nigel Bradham is, is not signed, correct? I believe so, correct. If he's not signed, they're going to have to figure that out, and they don't have a ton of cap space. Uh, so some things will have to be done. I thought Bradham was a critical piece of this defense. I thought he had a really good season. Um, I guess Jordan Hicks comes back, but he has shown that he 
you know, to be a little injury prone or durability is a question there. So the linebacker's uh, position has to be addressed, Fran, whether it's with the same guy. Hey, if they bring back the same guys, they could be really, really good. Um, you know, I don't know what they plan on doing tactically and personnel-wise as they go forward. Clearly, with Hicks hurt, they didn't feel real comfortable playing their base 4-3. Now, hey, a lot of teams play big nickel in the NFL now. You know, I don't know if that's something they'll they'll continue to do. Corey Graham is a veteran player. I don't know what his status is as well. He's been in the league a long time. So I think they have some things they have to figure out on the defensive side. I like what they how they position themselves an awful lot at the corner position. Sidney Jones will be part of this next year. They they'll have four corners realistically under the age of what is it 24 or 25 yeah so i mean i think they're positioned really well at corner there's no reason to believe malcolm jenkins and rodney mcleod can't keep playing at a high level uh, they're not that old so i think the secondary is really positioned to do well but they have to address the linebacker position well greg for the the final time it's 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 very sad honestly to see the season end. i know both of us are exhausted from uh the season that was but uh, just a, such a fun team to follow and watch and study throughout the course of the year. And I, I, obviously, uh, it's been a lot of fun breaking it down with you each and every week. Appreciate the time here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. This is going to be a little bit of an abridged show because I am still recovering. My voice is not what it normally is, and I am really struggling. So... All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will be back next week to continue talking about this Eagles team as we transition now into the offseason. We've got a ton to break down moving forward for this team. Free agency is around the corner. The Combine is just in a couple weeks. We still want to take in all the glory from this Super Bowl win, so there will be a lot more to come here on the, in the offseason on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And for everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.